Welcome to You Wear It Well. You wear it well. In this week's episode, we're going to talk Apple Watch Series 3. We're also going to look at the events that have happened this week with Google and Microsoft. And we're going to talk about the awards. Yes, the Wearable Tech Awards are back. So we're going to run through some of the shortlisted categories. So I should probably just introduce you to who's here and chatting with us this week. So we've got Executive Editor James. Hello. We've also got our reporter, Connor. Hello. And for those wondering where Sophie Chirar is, we have not handed her a P45. She is still here. Hello. I still have a job. (laughs) And, of course, it's me, Mike, the editor of Wearable. So, shall we start with what's happened this week? Maybe, I think, what was first up is Microsoft. So, Sophie, do you want to start off with what uh, Microsoft had to talk about this week? So Microsoft has its mixed reality platform, which is essentially a bunch of VR headsets. So it's a little bit confusing. The main news was the Samsung Odyssey, which I think you wrote about last week. There was a pretty big leak. Um, So Samsung's come out with its own version. It's essentially the highest end of the headsets. It's got higher resolution. It's got some built-in AKG headphones. And it'll be available this year, I believe, for about $450. Okay, and can we, I mean, maybe we should just clarify what we mean by Windows Mixed Reality. What's, what's the kind of deal behind what, what Microsoft are trying to do here? So the original plan was to make some headsets that work with PCs, like the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive. Originally, Windows was talking about doing them cheaper to make them more affordable. So Dell, Acer, HP were making them. This Samsung one is actually the most expensive. So because the Oculus Rift has come down in price so much, it's, it's pretty much the same deal you get some handheld controllers the the new thing tech wise is the inside out tracking so you don't need to put kind of sensors around your room like you would with the htc vive so it's pretty exciting I, w- I wasn't actually expecting samsung to be one of the first people you'd kind of think people who make pcs who make gaming pcs that's that's obvious samsung also makes the gear vr and is partnering with oculus on that one so now it's built itself an oculus Rift rival so we should, pro- I mean, we should probably open it up to James and Connor because they both have uh, used these headsets as well. I mean, are you excited about what they they're kind of going to offer? Yeah, I think so. I've used the Asus, um, which is literally just the Asus mixed reality headset. There's no name attached. We should say I think the Samsung variant has the best name in terms of the Odyssey. Um, but yeah, I think the Asus model is part of the kind of range where they're all set. You know, in terms of what the, the specs are. Um, so yeah, it's exciting to see kind of a flagship, I guess, of these devices. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're not going to see Asus until next year. The rest will be out for the end of the year. But Are yeah, you sad about that? That is, you're not going to see Asus one this year. It is a nice looking one, future sexy, of course. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it'd be exciting to see that and the rest. But I know James has used the Lenovo. Yeah, uh, I've used the Lenovo one, uh, a basic demo and mm. uh, Ether. Well, you said basic. It was. Uh, well, it wasn't really working. Amazing. Oh, well. the amazing was, soul. No, that was the uh, that was the, uh, the Mirage. The, oh, of course, uh, yeah. Jedi Juniors. Jedi. Uh, <laughs> Stop getting Lenovo wrong. Oh, no, no, I know. Sorry. Come on. <laughs> but the significant thing about the mm. Samsung really is that they've been allowed to go above and beyond, where it felt like Microsoft had quite a tight leash on everyone mm. on the first wave or 
still is a first wave, but the, the initial announce, uh, announcements had the same resolution, they had the same tracker, in fact it was the same headset just made by a few different manufacturers. The other thing we should say is that obviously Microsoft has HoloLens and its holographic platform, which is now renamed Mixed Reality. So Microsoft has said that it sees these two platforms converging. We haven't seen any evidence of that so far whatsoever. These are VR headsets, just to be clear. Well, that's the that's the thing that they haven't actually. There is no mixed reality about these mixed reality exactly. headsets. Yeah. They, they they have cameras on them, so there is the the chance to do hand tracking and, and merge the two worlds. But you can't really. It's not it's not what I would have defined as mixed reality. But everyone um, has their own definition. Yeah. So yeah, Magic Leap is more like next gen AR, whereas HTC, I think they call some of their features mixed reality when it's like more like chaperoning or like you know tracking a few objects plus. exactly exactly <laughs> but we're still excited about mixed reality even if we don't know what it is i'm super excited as well. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do you want to talk okay. about jedi challenges just because can we now that I've i think we should what would you like to know about jedi challenges? tell us who did you fight i fought kylo ren <laughs> Cool. Is that a character? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's the new baddie. And who, new who are you? Were you like he's a character? He's the new baddie, but he's now uh, got his ass in a sling after, uh, after being finished, uh, with finished with by Jedi Junior. So, that, was it Jar Jar uh, Binks as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. He makes. An, I don't know if he makes an appearance. I, and I, this, this is an AR experience. It's an AR experience on a specialist AR headset called the technically the Lenovo Mirage, mm. although. It's not available to buy outside of the Jedi Challenges um, box set. Um, you buy it. So like Disney that. have like commissioned Lenovo to build this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and it, though it has a product name, it's only for Jedi Challenges. You get three games in the pack. You get this. Uh, the best one is the lightsaber fighting, where you get a a collector's grade lightsaber um, to hold a room tracker and the AR headset. The your phone slots into the top of the headset, which has a mirror, which sort of projects the AR image across into the real world. So you're fighting in your living room. I imagine you have this all set up now at your home. Of course. Yeah, the lightsaber <laughs> collection. It shocked me how poor the general tech journalist uh, cohort was at lightsaber <laughs> fighting. It's like they never had a childhood. <laughs> Right, I think we I think we've kind of reached our Star Wars quota for the uh, for this yeah. episode. Yeah. So, should we talk about Google? So, Google had a had some announcements this week as well. I mean, they I mean, look, we'll talk about the kind of the big announcements from a wearable perspective. Really, is kind of there was a Daydream View headset, but I don't mean it was kind of an iterative kind of upgrade. But I think the more interesting announcement were its new headphones. So, the big deal about these headphones are that they'll be able to translate languages which is something we're kind of seeing a trend of from kind of smaller startups so maybe connor i mean you you kind of follow this story a little bit so what's the what's the deal behind google's kind of translating earbuds um so i think the first thing we should point out is that this is only compatible with pixel phones and i think you know when we we've seen rivals you know you look at waverly labs's uh pilot and they're yet to be released um but do offer kind of like a wider uh, compatibility also with my manu's click and then you know there's other startups wt2's uh, earbuds and you know we've also seen it from braggy and doffel are bringing it um so they are more compatible i think this is a significant moment because it's the first time we've seen a major brand kind of dip into translation 
uh, hearables. And obviously, I think a bit of that is obviously because Google have its translation platform already kind of built. Uh, so it does make sense from that perspective. Um, and while the tech isn't, you know, too groundbreaking, you have to use one person will have the earbuds, while another person, if you want to translate a conversation, will have the Pixel smartphone. So in that sense, it's not, you know, too groundbreaking, but you know, it's an encouraging step to see a major brand kind of dip into it. I think that's. I mean, I think that's for me. That's the really important thing here is the software. Like this is this is the kind of think will be holding back a lot of these startups and I think maybe why they are delayed with their products because the software takes a lot of work to kind of kind of refine and Google have been doing translation kind of software for a long time now so it feels like they're best suited I do agree that there's kind of some kind of degree of kind of debate about whether headphones are the best kind of way of offering that translation maybe there's a kind of a mixture of some device that kind of offers that because it's still that idea you go on holiday you give somebody an mm. earbud do they have to have the same earbuds as yeah. you there's that there's that issue as well but I think I mean I kind of agree I think the fact that Google are playing in this space now is a, I think it's a it huge just, thing it puts everyone else on notice for the fact that you know the next kind of step really and you'd think this would be something that Google obviously build on and at the moment it's it's kind of like wired earbuds and stuff that, that you imagine will eventually you know become a bit more seamless uh, in terms of design but yeah, I think you know, we've spoken a lot about how hard hearables are to make. I think that's especially true with translation hearables because there's so much, you know, you've got to figure out with latency and things like that. But yeah, we, we I spoke to a, a startup from uh, China, WT2, as I just mentioned, and they have kind of a mode where you can literally just hold out an earbud um, and it will pick it up, you know, the different mode. I think eventually that will be kind of where Google will go with this. Um, but yeah, this is just kind of the first step, which yeah, obviously we'll build on. I mean, James, you've just been traveling. I mean, would you be using something like this? To kind of, would you like the idea of kind of translation hearables? Like, would well, you like that in Japan? Yes, <laughs> I would love that in Japan. I mean, I used uh, Google Translate in Japan, and it stopped me from buying horse sausage. So, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the, the concept is proven. Google um, saves the day. Google saves the day yet yeah, again. But it's sort of it's one of those. Uh, Great science fiction ideas, isn't it? The Babelfish from Babelfish, uh, which Connor didn't know what a Babelfish was. He thought it was a device. Uh, well, it was a device. Well, it was oh, a yeah. fish. I thought, uh, it was a, I thought until this very morning that it was a real thing. Can, we, to, can we school little milk on it's Babelfish? It's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Put a fish in your ear, and you can understand any language. But haven't, haven't didn't get the reference. Completely, <laughs> complete away of my head. This is what happens when you employ. It's. I mean, it's a great. It's. It, it's a. It's a real world issue that is being solved. I think yeah. these these startups like My Manu and, and even someone like Doppler Labs, I think building a hearable in terms of the hardware is hard. So I think there's a real opportunity for someone to build a great hearable and then sell that technology maybe. But I think, as you were saying with Google, I think Google and maybe Microsoft, which was doing Skype Translate as well. I think they're the only companies that really have the data to feed in to do like natural language processing and make it make it a viable thing that you can do real real time translation. But I think yeah, like people like Pilot, let's see. We haven't actually tried that one, have we? No. We haven't. No. I mean, they're delayed, I believe again. Yeah. Um and that you know, they're a bit like where Braggy were, they're the kind of poster kind of child for mm. these translation hearables. They raised 
uh, one of the most successful crowdfunding, well, wearable crowdfunding campaigns ever. So there's a lot of expectation in what the, when they actually deliver that. But it's an exciting space, and it's 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 a part of the kind of hearables and where what it can do and what it can achieve. Uh, it's kind of an exciting place in terms of what it can do. Can I tell you my pie in the sky saves the day idea as well? Please do it. Is that if it's not going to happen right now? This better be good. It's going to be so good. <laughs> um, I think I've written about this. Is that if they get it good enough and cheap enough, it could be really good considering the amount of migration that's happening in the world because a lot of the problems when people come to new countries is that they just don't speak the language. So imagine if there was like this cheap loan hearable that you could give to people and then suddenly they can speak that language. It's amazing. I think one more thing we should probably mention as well is the next big step in this area is for it to go offline. I think once that happens, it becomes a lot. I think if people are traveling, it's not necessarily a situation where you are going to have kind of like the data right there or, you know, Wi-Fi, wherever it may be. Um, so yeah once it goes offline I think that's another huge step and one I think these startups need to get to you know kind of as fast as possible we know Pilot are looking at it my man have also told us that they're kind of looking at for their next uh, next device so yeah I think whether Google you know if anyone could do it, it would be Google so yeah we'll see when that kind of comes to the area Okay, and finally, we're going to talk awards yes the wearable tech awards is back James you want to kind of fill us in on what's happening Yes, well, the second Wearable Tech Awards is going to happen on the 9th of November. Uh, Shortlist's already out. And I think we can safely say it's going to be the biggest and best Wearable Tech Awards in the world today. Is that, is that safe to say? Fair. Have we wrapped that definitely. up? Definitely. Mm-hmm. Are, definitely. There any, are there any other Wearable Tech Awards? None that matter. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what we can yes. fully decide. So there's 15 categories this year, and uh, we're not going to go through them all now. Um, but there are some particularly hotly contested ones. Would you, would you say that was right? Definitely. Um, I guess the one, probably the biggest one is going to be for us smartwatch. Smartwatch of the year, yeah. yeah. Where LG, Michael Kors, and Louis Vuitton, and Tag going up against Apple Watch and Fitbit Ionic. Um, Samsung, so yeah, Sam- it's going to be Samsung, t- which we're testing right now. So yeah. yeah, we'll see about that one. I think Apple won last year, and I think since last year, everyone else has just like come on and and done a lot more, like added payments or refined the design when it comes to designer stuff. So I think it'll be less clear cut than last year. It's come on a long way, hasn't it? Especially when you look at the fitness tracker category, um, which has not been one of our longer lists smartwatches have really really come on in the last year especially with what android wear has been cooking up in the in the world of fossil and all those uh big fashion brands at Basel world this year it's been it's a it's an exciting place it's good and Um, then i guess uh another one i definitely think is going to be kind of hotly debated is the vr and ar innovation and experiences so i mean we've got a lot of big vr and ar fans in the office so how do we feel that's gonna go down so this year it's innovation rather than last year we had four vr headsets just because there weren't very many vr headsets whereas this year we've got a ton of stuff happening in vr and ar um so we've got everything from kind of microsoft hololens which is the only real ar um headset that you can get your hands on we've got google daydream We've got Samsung's new Odyssey mixed reality headset that we just spoke about. Um, but we've also got what Apple is doing with the AR kit, which isn't on a wearable right now, 
but it will be at some point in the future. I think the key part about this category is that, or well, the thing that I find really interesting is that last year was basically, as you said, VR headset of the year. Not only have we now swapped that up, but it's the first AR presence of at the Wearable Tech Awards. It's something we decided was time to start actually talking about and honouring AR, which I think was just an impossible thing to do a year ago. There's no way you could have picked a credible AR experience a year no, ago. No, aside from kind of industrial uses, which are very yeah. niche in like factories. And yeah, like Amazon warehouse tracking glasses. <laughs> but the fact this they year you can actually... <laughs> I don't know. They no. can actually um, talk about AR as a consumer innovation and actually award something so far that felt so far away last year so i think that's uh that's a really positive part of the awards this year okay and then one of the new categories which personally i think i'm going to be probably arguing a lot with james and paul and <laughs> the other runners in the team is sports watch of the year which is a, yeah so it's a new category yeah we felt this year that last year we did sports wearable of the year um that covered a lot of different devices it was a very sort of schizophrenic category in that it had a lot of different types of devices in it so you know, we've made sports watch of the year this year and looking down the list it's well it's gonna be really tough to decide isn't it there's obviously multiple garmins um polar but i think the interesting the interesting thing this year is the presence of fitbit and apple in that category which just hasn't been the case before which shows how things are converging again. Um, it's going to be very, very difficult to pick that one. Yeah, I mean, one, I think one of the nice things is that, uh, one of the refreshing things is that the big three, Polar, Sinto, and Golan all represented there, but having Fitbit and Apple in there in the equation is definitely, I think, going to be one of the kind of topics that are going to kind of be discussed heavily. Yeah, it's going to come down, I would imagine, to sheer tracking power and what those metrics give you and that will obviously be the the big three and then you'll have consumer convenience you'll have all day all day tracking and having a device that's there when you're playing sport as well as when you're at work it's going to be two different philosophies i would imagine from from the judging panel should just actually mention that we're the process involved in picking the awards we've got uh, a panel of esteemed judges from the world of technology and kieran alga and kieran alga <laughs> um, running extraordinaire kieran alga um and they'll be we'll be thrashing out the categories in a judging evening and we'll be obviously reporting live from the awards uh, with full coverage of who's won and who's lost. So yeah, stay tuned on Wearable for the second Wearable Tech Awards. So we're going to finish things off talking about a certain wearable uh, by the name of the Apple Watch Series 3. So obviously in the last episode, we kind of spoke a little bit about it. Now we've kind of, we've reviewed, we've lived with it, we've tested it. James has got it on his arm. Mine is on my desk at the moment, charging. Um, Buzz Lightyear. Buzz James Lightyear has got the Buzz Lightyear face. Buzz Lightyear is on my wrist. Oh, Woody, what's he doing? Woody creeping in. This is great creeping, podcast. Creeping Woody. Ooh. We should, uh, yeah, we should probably talk about what you know, what we what we thought, what we thought about the Apple Watch, uh, how we've 
you know, like using it. I mean, maybe James, you should kind of kick things off. How you how you like it? You've still got it on, which is a good thing. Nice strap as well. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I've gone for. I I sort of thought the gold version would be more gold. Very <laughs> very feminine gold, isn't it? Apple not match my wedding ring, but not enough gold apple. Not at all. So, um, yeah, I mean, it sort of feels like when you get a new iPhone. Because nothing's different. <laughs> sick burn. Ow, sick burn. Um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously if you're new to the Series 3, then extremely exciting. If you're upgrading from Series 2 to Series 3, which I am, then actually not much has changed. Um, watch OS 4 is the biggest biggest change and it, it does that does actually feel like a step on doesn't it what do you yeah. think well no I think like uh, so I've been using it but Connor's actually been using it quite a lot as well how have you have you found the kind of change yeah so it's been kind of like a couple of weeks since WatchOS 4 as, uh, I'm on an Apple Watch Series 2 but yeah. again what James said I think it is it does feel fresh I think you know the uh, list kind of menu we've got now is to, you, you can switch to instead of the honeycomb is a lot nicer I, this feels kind of since we've had the WatchOS 4 update i've actually used the digital crown more probably the last two weeks than i have in the whole year before that um and obviously you've got like different workout things that's all been refreshed um the heart rate metrics is interesting you know kind of like the rest in heart rate how long it takes you to recover i think all that's you know a nice step i think there's always a little bit of you know you wish there was in more depth there i think especially on the watch itself and not having to go through activity for that stuff but no i think as it always does, it's just kind of like little features. You know, when you're playing music, for example, now you can control that from the watch a lot easier. We should talk a little bit about LTE yeah. because obviously, obviously that is the that is the big feature. And obviously, I've been uh, kind of living with it for a couple of weeks, and I'm going to be honest, I haven't really used it a lot. Mm. But I do think one reason I would use it for uh, is for music streaming. Unfortunately. I don't have Apple Music, but Apple Music will offer it soon. Netflix, I think that's, yeah. I think that's, you know, if you're out running and you can you'd save you transferring your music over, and that that to me has an appeal. But I just wish it was Spotify. Yeah, as so well. The music has got a little bit better now. You have kind of like your heavy rotation mix, kind of automatically on the watch. Um, so then making a better use of the storage within the music app on the watch. But still not, as you say, I think the big thing will be when you can leave your phone at home and not have to worry and you can just, you know, get whatever you want on and, yeah, you can just roam wild and free. But, yeah, it, I think, obviously, the Spotify is not really a priority for Apple with their own service. But, um, yeah, it's an encouraging step, I think, if you are a Apple Music subscriber. Now, I feel there is one other thing we should talk about this week. Uh, so, we heard rumours earlier this year about Tomtom kind of backing out of wearables. Now they've released a statement the past week saying that they are in fact going to stop kind of making wearables, which I wrote something up on the website. I mean, I think it's quite, I think it's quite a sad story. I mean, I think, it, you know, there's a lot of companies have kind of backed away from wearables in the past 12, 18 months, but I think particularly Tomtom is going to be sad to see them go. Yeah. I mean, me and you are, have been, TomTom fans really from for a couple of years some of their running devices have been extremely good and sadly they've there's a, there is a few things going on I think which is, makes it worth looking at in a little detail that obviously they've been overshadowed by Garmin so 
as a sports watch manufacturer they just they just can't make get traction but I think the real nail in the coffin is coming back to convergence that they're already losing out to Garmin and now devices like the Apple Watch and the Fitbit Ionic are just going to step on their toes even more where are they going to pick up any traction from and they're another big casualty and I think that's going to continue when you've got such big big players in that space in the sports space that sadly that's that's the end it's, it's a real shame because they did good stuff their heart rate monitoring was fantastic um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's slightly depressing that you can't you can't actually gain traction when you have so much good stuff going for you so it's a little bit of a RIP Tom Tom we're going to miss them yeah, yeah, I think you know. I, I know that you know. I've spoken to a few runs, and it it does get knocked a little bit. But I, it's one of those devices which I've always watched. I've always recommended to people because it's for a while it, in that price range, there was nothing that could really touch it. And we so we talked about the heart rate monitoring. In in my opinion, nothing's really touched it since. So hopefully, you know that some of the technologies that they've really made work don't get kind of lost and somebody else makes use of you know the good that they have actually done uh, with their watches and like the spark and the adventurer i think the problem not you know not just what james has mentioned but tom tom the name itself isn't isn't the sexiest kind of brand i think it probably that's probably hurt it i think a lot of people when they hear tom tom still think of sat navs yeah 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 i mean it's uh, sad that at eva they announced quite a big overhaul of their ecosystem yeah. and brought in some good stuff like they've actually leveraged vo2 max for a fitness age score um they tried to reimagine the ten thousand step metric for the for the day and i would like to have seen how that played out um so yeah it's a shame it, don't they have a device in the awards as well Tom they have the tom tom adventure which just missed um, the awards last year so it's basically a year old but so and the Spark Bang, 3 did pretty well last year as well didn't Spark it? 3 was a highly commended last yeah. year and Adventure is an excellent watch um, when you think about the cost of devices like the Phoenix 5 where you're looking at over $500 for a sports watch that the Adventure offered almost the same amount of tracking half the price so it's it's a shame they, they you know they they've innovated genuinely and they're gone so yeah rest okay. in peace rest yeah. in peace bye bye Tom Tom thank we you thank you. you for everything thanks yeah. for the memories thanks for the memories indeed <laughs> that's it for episode 3 thanks for listening you can check out the latest news reviews and features on wearable you can also subscribe to wear it well on Apple podcast and remember folks keep wearing it well I love to shuffle. Just generally. I like to shuffle. <laughs>